And we're back again with another hockey podcast. Yes, this is the first time in a very long time that we were actually packed back weeks actually talking hockey. And Jeff, I think, just felt bad that he didn't get on yesterday with me and Brian. So he wanted to throw a little bone and get on and talk some hockey. Exactly. And if you're like me who missed yesterday's podcast, you need to check it out on YouTube, on Spotify, and wherever else we have it. Yes, posted. just search Wetmer Quake Podcast if you want the hockey podcast like the one you're listening to, or just search Undertuber's Podcast and you will find the other ones, the war. Not that these podcasts aren't fun, but the more fun podcasts to listen to just because of us and Jeff and Brian's, you know, friendship and that show. <laughs> so much fun. But <laughs> um, yeah, some things kind of happened today, or at least in the last couple yeah. days. I don't, I don't know when that podcast was or whatever that uh, that they had the uh podcast that he was giving his comments on about Hextall yeah. and his kind of tenure and everything. So long story short, for those who this don't still very really know, because it happened pretty early on, so you may have been at work at this time or yes. doing something else, not looking at Twitter or social media. That Flyers thing. all-time great and former GM, Bobby Clark, uh, he went on the cam and strick podcast for cam jansen and andy strickland um and he mentioned on that podcast specifically one how during the 2017 nhl draft no one in the Flyers organization scout wise wanted nolan patrick wanted to draft him and that was strictly former gm now of course ron hextel is the current pittsburgh penguins gm uh, Hextall, who had decided to draft him after all and ignoring the scouts completely. And two, he continued to go on and say that he had also later that night decided on his own without talking it over to anyone in the organization to trade Braden Shen to the St. Louis Blues. Um, so today we're going to break down Bobby Clark's comments, uh, Ron Hextall's tenure as a GM from free agency signings from his drafts with the flyers and his trades best and the worst. And then of course, to close it all up, Nolan Patrick and the 2017 NHL draft, we're not going over the entire draft. We're going over our main points focus wise for the Philadelphia flyers, what they could have done, what they should have done and what they ended up doing. So without mm-hmm. further ado, starting from the top, Bobby Clark, his comments um, again, the new kind of do small recap. He said, quote, none of our scouts wanted Nolan Patrick. They wanted McCarr, not Bobby Clark wanted Kale McCarr. I think that gets kind of caught out of context. These scouts wanted defenseman Kale McCarr, not, not Bobby Clark. He he's quoting what he knows he's from quoting the that, but he also just kind of shat on Ron Hexwell as a hundred percent. He Which, and you can tell it now. I don't know if we're actually. I'm not going to do because I don't know if we're allowed to play the audio or not and whatever. But well, as long as we do it in context or right, exactly little snippets, just so, kind of comp. Just that's how it works. Yeah. You can't play the whole clip, but well, of course. But my but if you're very curious, go to Andy Strickland's Twitter account. It's yeah, or Andy if Strickland. I make this a video, I might just link it in the description. Exactly. If you want yeah, to take there a you go. It. That's a great idea to, to do link it. So. Um, but you check it out there. It's and you can hear it in his voice. He genuinely sounded frustrated with Hextall, which I don't blame him. So I 
I don't blame him either, but to me, when I was listening back to it, because he was saying like all these bad moves or whatever that Hexo was making, that he almost made it, and we'll get to it later, like Hextall's like tenure or whatever. Yeah. But to me, it seemed like he, like most Flyers fans, just kind of hated the fact that they were still kind of rebuilding. Yeah. And to me, I feel like he much preferred a GM to that of Paul Holmgren that would keep doing like big moves. Like you keep Shen, you bring in someone else, and you keep going for it kind of thing right exactly and you use and, your and first so, round pick you use that second round pick to bring somebody in or right you get Kim McCarr but we're looking at it in hindsight we're looking at it at Kim McCarr or high skin in what they're playing at right now and Not we're that. knowing Patrick's at right now yes so that's just yeah to me I, I just kind of find it kind of annoying like I because people have been saying this for because it just brought up the whole you know debate of drafting Patrick or not. And obviously the Flyers game got postponed tonight to uh, tonight against the Hurricanes. So obviously Twitter Flyers Twitter fans went to this instead. Cause yes. why not? Because it's one of your greats talking about Ron Hexo, which I think people kind of got honestly a another Flyers great, but keep in mind so for both Flyers and, greats, but both I would say didn't do a their best job in terms of being GMs. They had no. their highlights, they so, had their lowlights. Like you mentioned, both of them. Now, you're not just talking about probably Paul Holmgren. You're talking, and obviously, you know, not uh, Ron Hextall. You're also referring to Bobby Clark. People forget he was a general manager for the Philadelphia Flyers. Not once, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even. He, he might have had two tenures, if I'm not he mistaken. It, it was very weird, but people forget. And trust me, I love Bobby Clark, and I always defend every him. Flyers fan. Every Flyers exactly. fan is the same if, way. If no Flyers fan is going to disagree with you because it's exactly. Bobby Clark. If, if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan, you know the heart and soul of the Philadelphia Flyers franchise history is Bobby Clark. No doubt. And I will repeat this, and I will repeat this again and again and again. The best players do not make the best GMs. The best players do not make the best coaches. We've seen it time and time again. Wayne Gretzky, the greatest player of all time, was not the best head coach. Bobby Clark, the best Flyers player in franchise history, was not the best GM. Ron Hextall, one of the best goalies. One of the best goalies in Flyers history. Not the best. One of the best Flyers. Yes, exactly. One of the best Flyers in uh, goalies in Flyers history was not the best GM. He had some, they all had some good moves and moments and everything, but not the best for Bobby Clark. Again, rem- reminding for people, he was the one who stripped the seat from Eric Lindros during the 01-02 season, somewhere around there. Basically called him out and said, like, oh, you're not. He's certainly not when he comes back, whenever he does come back, or if he does, he's not going to be captain. And he, he was he was a tough GM. So I'm not surprised when, you know, like by these comments entirely, because so for, first and foremost, these comments have been going on for a few years it's just coming out now as a big deal because this completely confirms what was going on behind closed doors. The reason it's such a big deal is because a Flyers legend, Bobby Clark, is saying this about another Flyers legend, essentially, in Ron Hextall, and that's why it's such a big deal. Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic put this best. He said, quote, honestly, this really isn't new information as the fact that Hextall went with Patrick against his scouts' consensus has been out there and reported, and reported, excuse me, by quite a few people over the past few years. The obvious 
bitterness here from Bob Clark towards Hexy is certainly notable, which I think it is. Someone did ask him, um, you know, moving forward. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by his comments on the Shen trade, how the scouts were pissed off about it. You know, did they not want Frost? I can't imagine they weren't in Alfarabi. Charlie replied, I think Clark, he just got rolling and wanted to go full scorched earth. So anything that was brought up Hexel related, he was growing right up apart. We knew that collaboration was a serious problem in the Hexel front office. This just takes that and runs with it, which is true because <laughs> I see your face. You're just no, sorry, my ear just randomly started around. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but to to that point though. For Bobby Clark to make these comments, him and Paul Holmgren, they've always be, been these we want to win now tenure guys. Hextall has not, and there's nothing Ron wrong Hextall with that. Ron Hextall had the, the stuff that Paul Holmgren did because they were in a cap hell. That's what most people forget as well. Most of Ron Hextall's first moves weren't the most glamorous ones because he had to clean up with what homer did and not and that some people remember maybe others don't i don't know but for those who are bashing hextall completely you can't because if the, if it wasn't for hextall's moves he he wasn't the one who signed briscoll to that massive deal he didn't sign andrew mcdonald to that big deal he didn't sign and again he's also a fire's right he was just indu- inducted into a hall of fame he was exactly. okay gm he just took a lot of chances he, he, he d- very big High risk, risk, high reward yes. chances. Yes. And it's not that I hated him completely. He had some moments I'm like, okay, I, hey. I like this. And again, but he had his surprise trades too. He traded Jeff Carter and Mike Richards. That was the biggest earth shattering move of all time. To in, me, those, during were, my life those two are bigger than Shen because I feel like the writing was on the wall oh, for Shen that he was going to get traded. Dude, the crazy thing is both Richards and Carter were only 25 yeah. at the time. Well, I think Shen was about the same age too. When he was traded, but these guys obviously were well more established than Braden Shen. Right, he was still an established so, player. It's just you didn't you know, know he, what he's, he he's was. An established player, right? Because exactly. the Flyers were playing him. You at like knew what wing. you had in Mike Richards and yeah. Jeff Carter, both of them. Jeff Carter, you had an elite sniper. Mm-hmm. Mike Richards, you had your captain and one of the most dominant two way forwards in the NHL at that time, and he he was like a true representation of being a Philadelphia flyer. Well, you know what they did? Not in the Mike Richards trade, but they did get a future. One of the best two ways. This took is a true. little while to get the offensive going, but yes. the defensive side, this, this is true. and potentially and, once Drew was either, as we talked last week, if he was to be traded or once he eventually retires, he's the next captain. Yeah. This guy and this. There's got to be him. Captain Coots has a nice ring to it, too. It does. That's sort of uh, But anyway, so, but going back to Bobby Clark's comments, oh, so yeah. before we get to Ron Hextel's 10 years of GM for the Philadelphia Flyers, what are your thoughts overall? Like, is it fair to say for Clark that? You know, like the moment he said one thing, it led to another, and he was just blown off steam. Or like, what, 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 I want to hear your thoughts on what your initial comments were when you or are when you like. Sorry, what your initial thoughts were when you heard this for the first time on uh, from uh, Bobby Clark? So to me, like I said, it just seems like he was a little just kind of bitter about how that 
played out. And I think he just hates where the fires are right now. And he wants them to be better. They're just not. And he blames a lot of that on Ron Hextel and first round picks, namely Patrick or Rubstoff, who haven't really panned out yet. But yeah, you, uh, I will say you this the though: nail if we're talking, on the head, if we're like talking down about, the line. if we're talking about the draft in general and him going against uh, Ron Hexel going against his scouts and everything, he's got the last call. Scouts can give their opinions, and I think everyone knows what reference I'm going to go to. If you don't know me by now, <laughs> this is probably the thing I've re- referenced the most besides The Office or anything like that. So, in the movie Moneyball. There's a couple <laughs> scenes where uh, Brad Pitt, who's Billy, Billy Bean, Bean, is going back and forth with the scouts because he just lost three big pieces. And what like there's that scene where what they need to fix, and then the scene where he brings in Jonah Hill and wants to change it. And all the the scouts are like, "What are you doing? Like we want these guys because these guys could have potential, or whatever." But uh, Billy Bean is saying something different completely opposite going after these guys that people don't really want as much but they get on base yeah (laughs) but they get on base so i think if you want to get a picture of how that draft night went that's probably what it was in a sense what are those two scenes either when he brings in jonah hill or the other scene where he's saying what they what they're missing or what they need when he's going back and forth with the scouts that's probably what ron hexel and the scouts were going with Obviously, you take what they're saying with a grain, with a lot of like respect, and like they obviously watch these players a lot in their scouting, and also keep this in mind too, which is probably why they were saying Macar or even Heiskanen, but more so Macar uh, over Patrick. Is remember, even then, Patrick was still having injury issues. Yeah, so because he had a sports hernia that kept him out for thirty-five games. Not only that. So I was doing research because I, and I kind of hinted at it in, in, in one of my tweets earlier today, I was coming up with an article that's going to be released in the next few days or so about everything going on with Ron Hexall, Bobby Clark, his comments, Nolan Patrick 2017 draft, and kind of hints at, um, you know, a bit of Nolan Patrick's injury history, which not only includes one, but two sports hernias, which... He should have realistically had two surgeries for, it, but the Patrick he didn't necessarily blame the the doctor slash surgeon, but they somehow missed the second one where he should have had surgery, and he mentioned it. So, if he had a second surgery on the second sports hernia, and realistically, hernias, hernias are kind of hard to come back from. If, it can we're, be. if we're looking at it right now, like Kevin Hayes, he's not his full self too. And he no. had a, he had not the same thing, but he had a hernia pretty much during yeah. the off season, re-injured it. And I feel like he re-injured it again, but didn't really need surgery. Just need a little more time off. Right. Cause that's one of those things. But with more injuries, obviously you get a little more injury prone, but depending on what your injury is, like if you get a knee injury or Achilles injury, your abilities kind of go down a little bit even when you heal, because you may not have the same speed or whatever, especially for Patrick's sake, who obviously we know he had the migraine issues, which is claimed to be a family thing. And it could be, but it's probably exacerbated by concussions and nothing more more than concussions and head injuries are really going to affect you more than anything else in terms of your play. So I think because of that, that's why Noah Patrick hasn't really developed. And I also think, 
he may have thought a little too highly of himself where he also those reports of him being a little selfish and not really taking criticism or listening to. I mean, seeing how, sorry, go ahead. I'll say this though, because I feel like he's not the only player. We can probably mention any other players, but they kind of bottle it in more or don't show it as much, but just think of these guys, their reality, or when they get that first punch of reality of actually being in a professional league and not being the best player is in the NHL. Because before you get there, if you're maybe in Pee Wee or when you're young, you're just like, oh, this kid, like when you're hearing from parents or your coach or whoever, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, this kid, he's the best kid in our team. Oh, he's the best kid in our Pee Wee league. And then you just keep hearing that and that, and you just kind of believe it yourself. Like, yeah, I think yeah. I'm the best kid. And then you get the juniors. You may not have got not have gone first overall, but like, hey, I have a potential of going first overall in the NHL. In the NHL. Yeah, that's not something to sneeze about, you know? No. I'm pretty good. And then when but, you get to the NHL, will... where you're actually playing adults rather than kids, you're guys are probably still playing around your age who haven't really completely developed in terms of goalies and defenders because they kind of develop, develop a little later in terms of their skills and everything. That's why points are a lot more exasperated in juniors because those things haven't really panned out yet. Those guys haven't put really it this way. completely in developed. So for Patrick, the one, or any other guys like that, sorry, let, let me just finish my thought. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. sorry I know, I know. And then you can continue. Fair enough. But before, yeah, damn it. I lost it for a second. Okay, I got it back. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're good. You're good. And stop. <laughs> but even when that happens, because once you hit the hit the NHL or that league or whatever, you can maybe because you want to listen to your coaches, but you may shrug it off a little bit because you're already think, oh, I'm the best player in this team. I'm already putting up so many great numbers. But once you get to the NHL when you're playing adults, you're playing guys who've been in this league for some of them, maybe your whole life, because there are guys who are have played for a long time. Jumbo Joe, for instance, for example, you're playing guys who have been around who are already developed. You don't have that welcome to the NHL moment. But to me, I feel like Noel Patrick's welcome to the NHL moment outside of injuries is the fact that you kind of get got to get out of that selfishness. Listen to the coaches, yeah. listen to the players who have been here, your captains whoever your leaders, you got to start taking some responsibility for issues that you've had and learn from them. You can't keep trying thinking I could get myself out of it. I can maybe skate through some guys, do the things I was doing in juniors. You cannot do it anymore because you're not going to be able to. No. And that's what a lot of players don't realize. That's also like that. It's that I think Noah Patrick thing. is that's- an example, but I don't think he's the only one that's like that either. The first player that honestly comes to mind, Nail Yakupov. Mm-hmm. He went first overall in 2012, and he had that first overall superstar or ability. Oh, because I went first overall. I think I'm the greatest. Alexander Dago, I think, in what, 95, 2, 93, when Chris Pronger went second overall. He even went as so far as to saying, oh, everyone always remembers one, but you don't remember who went second. Yeah, it's the exact way around, buddy. Everyone remembers Chris Pronger. They don't remember you. The only reason they do is because he's the biggest bust in NHL history for first overall. So there's that. But for 
no I have another has thought, it. but I'll let you finish yours because I haven't, we haven't really got good. your kind of whole thing on that. Yeah. So for Nolan Patrick and his personality and just all that as a whole, I really do think that you, you can kind of see like how he interacts with like on the ice, like maybe on and off the ice. I don't, it's just something, there's something there about him that, and I, I've defended Patrick to the end of the timeline, mainly for his injury history. You know, and it, mainly, uh, mainly the concussions and all that. Exactly. You know that, Sorry, that, you is, know that because yeah, of experience. From personal experience. The, exactly. And I know you, we previewed that you're having an article where you kind of go into a little more, but in writing sense, but you also had another instance where I think you were talking about Patrick and head injuries for same thing. We were kind of talking about it on podcast, but you also wrote an article about it too. Right. And it's for Nolan Patrick though. It's, I'll it's also just, sorry. Yeah. One last thing. No, I'll link, I'll it, link all it. this stuff down. If yeah. I make a video out of it too. That sounds good. Um, but I, I really do think he's got a bit of that, like a little, and I hate saying this, but like, I, obviously, I don't know him personally, but just from what it seems like, he might have like a little bit of an ego to him, and it's because it's that oh, I'm I did so well in junior. Like, look at his junior numbers. His his first year, 2013 14, doesn't really count because he was in three games. His first actual year, 56 points, 55 games in Brandon with Weekings, 30 goals, 26 assists. His second season with them, he exploded 102 points, 41 goals, 61 assists, 72 games played. And in his last season, uh, reminder, he was out for 35 games because of the sports hernia. He still put up 46 points in 33 games played, 20 goals, 26 assists. The stats were there. The stats were saying, hey, no matter who I'm going to, this team knows I'm a good player and I, I know I can transition this to the NHL. Obviously, injuries didn't help. The sports hernia probably didn't help. The concussion didn't help. I think he had a shoulder injury. And then leading up to the migraine disorder, none of that helps because he's been out, he was out for an entire year in the NHL due to the migraine disorder. And when he came back, he actually put up some decent numbers in the beginning. I was genuinely happy to see him start to succeed at first when he actually was with the Flyers when he returned uh, last season. At the very beginning. And other than that, unfortunately, I, and, and maybe, and you know, maybe he had an issue with Lane Vignol. Maybe Lane Vignol had issues with him. Yes, because people remember, always rumored yeah. about him being having an issue with younger players. I don't know how accurate that is or not. Yeah, I don't I'm think not it's, there. I, the I don't think room. it's like the. Uh, what's his face? Babcock thing with Mitch Marner. I don't no. think it's that like where he's bullying him. Essentially, I think it's just the way he coached. Or maybe it was this, which I think some guys maybe just kind of skate or walk over their coaches where they throw it out. Maybe Elaine Vigneault kind of sat him down, and gave him a little tough talk, like, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta sit down. You gotta, you know." That is what I'm it. curious about. I really wonder if Av did that to Pashik, and it's like not to be like. A, a jerk like, about it, but to, yeah, but like to give to him, give like him a reality some, check. yeah, reality check. To, to, not like that, but to like give him some confidence of like, hey, like, look, we want you, especially I do. Like, we need your yeah. high draft. You obviously for this went for a reason. We need you to do that. You got to get out of your own head. You got to stop believing that you're the best. Learn from exactly. us. Or, or there's also the part to it where 
you got to stop believing that you're not an NHL player because Mm -hmm. there's so much negative negativity around Patrick's career. It's been tarnished forever. He was a second overall pick. They people just uh, demand instant success. Now, I don't think the worst thing for now. So the worst thing that could have happened to him for the flyers is just send him back to the Brandon Weekings for one year. They did the same thing with Ivan Proveroff and Travis Konechny. You mentioned that. Pretty much everyone uh, else, pretty much everyone else that he really drafted high, he sent them back. Patrick was the only one where he didn't do that with, really. No, because um, he came. They both, both Patrick and Limblom, I think, came in the same season. But Limblom, they drafted fifth over fifth round in 2014, mm-hmm. but he was playing in SHL, and that's so very that's, different because that's in Sweden. The, Probably the second best third, league in the third, I'd say. Se- sorry, th- third. Thank the you. Playing the KHL. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the third best league in the world, and you're playing bo- a boy against men. Yeah. So, and that's not easy to do at all. No. But for Patrick, realistically, and obviously, it's easy to say this in hindsight. Maybe the best thing for him would have been to send him back to the WHL for one year, especially since that last season he was hurt. Exactly. So I don't ever see an issue with that. And you brought this up in a great point. Um, this past year's first saying first overall pick, Owen Power. He went back to uh, Michigan before the NHL draft even happened. He announced he was going back to Michigan. And he's killing in Michigan. He's having himself one of the best years he could probably ever have as the defenseman. If Michigan and Owen Power do not win the national championship, not only that, Matty Beneers, the second overall pick who went to the Seattle Kraken. He went back to college. Obviously, he's that super powerhouse team in Michigan. If they don't win the national championship or at least show up in the Frozen Four, people are going to be extremely shocked. But regardless, though, both of them went first and second overall. Both went back to college. Now, I think now, sorry, between now and back then, not only are you seeing a more emergence from college players, which I love. I love the fact that you do see more and more college players going very high in the draft pick or in the NHL draft, let alone just being a first-round pick. The fact that you know college players have been top five picks and now one and two in general, it's awesome to see. But even what four or five years ago during 2017, a college player, you wouldn't see realistically until – late first round, if not even second round, because no. they're going to college and yeah, that's it. You know, and then there's like, the, during, it was, because it was college. It's, oh, it's just college. It's a college exactly. guy. It's, it, he's not it's, playing the juniors. He's not playing it's in not Europe. Nearly as deemed as competitive as going to Europe, like Austin Matthews going to anywhere in the world junior, or not world juniors, but like juniors for like WHL, AHL, CHL, QMJHL, any where, of those, but but before that's where they would show up, isn't that World Juniors? Those guys that were in college, that's where they make a better yes. name for themselves. Yeah, because they're playing those guys. Correct. And ever since the Frozen Four has really emerged as like must-watch hockey over the last several thank years, you. it's thank you. Ghost. It's been like thank you, Ghost. Plus fourteen. Thank you very much, um, national champion. Yeah, but. I will say for for that though it's yeah I don't know just yeah 
<laughs> kind of wrapped up our thoughts on that. Real Actually, quick, one last before, thing. Sorry. Yeah. Go for also, it. Also, just because, and we'll get back. Maybe we'll get back to it with when you talk to the next section about uh, Hextall's tenure, or whatever it is. Once you are drafted, at that point, the GM made that choice or whatever. But it's up to the team and the player itself to be able to make or prove that they're worthy of being there. Yes. Some guys can do it. Some guys take a little longer, like Lawton. Some guys are busts. Yeah, Yakuba. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's up to, and that's where Patrick is right now. And that's why I don't, because especially since the Carson Wentz stuff with Philadelphia, I've become a lot more aware of like, I don't overhype people, even if they're first round overall picks, because of like, just because of where they are and what they're entering, I got to see more. It, I got to see it more. And, so, that, like, and that's completely Everyone fair. was saying that about like Alexi Lefnir or uh, Hughes or whatever, like, oh, they're going to jump in and be like, and maybe it's just because of what we got in Matthews and with McDavid that people just thought, oh, these guys are just going to be star powers right away. But because of that, it just shows you how great those that's guys were. Yeah. But these guys yeah. also, they're still good players. They will be good players. It's, they're just going to take a little longer. Not only that, but they're the not Hughes, generally showing talent. Hughes like last year compared McDavid to David and Matthews, you could argue. And Hughes, Hughes had a huge jump second he, year from sophomore year from to rookie year. Yeah. He's he and this year, Jack Hughes, he's killing it for exactly. the New Jersey Devils. Some guys, had, and, and some guys don't take is, a little longer, but and that is all right. And now I'm not gonna lie, for Alexi Lafreniere, I was definitely a little disappointed that I was pretty surprised that he had a pretty rough uh, rookie year. I'm not going to lie. But is it the worst in the world? No, because I, I, I still expect great things from Lafreniere in his entire NHL career. Hopefully it's not with, yeah. with New York the entire time, because I genuinely do believe he's going to be a lethal player throughout his career, but he's got to grow as a player. And he's he's learning more and more on how to actually handle the success in the NHL, and you know just and now take time with you know growing to get ice time in the NHL and and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I, I really do think that those players will be just fine, just like how for Nolan Patrick. I think he just needed a new he, home too. But. He he definitely needed a new home at first when he it was announced he got sent and to Philadelphia Nashville, but, automatically it's just a hard place to play in no matter yeah, who you are. it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like playing in New York but it's it's just a hard yeah. city to play in just because the fans demand so much oh for sure uh, when he was flipped to for uh, to Nashville I was rather surprised that he was sent there but then he got flipped immediately right after to Vegas because of his former GM Brad uh, or no. Uh, sorry, Kelly McCrimmon, excuse me, um, and Brandon. Um, and, and that just made sense. Yeah. And obviously he's still so. having injury issues. So, yeah, he, I, I, he's only gotten in nine games this year. I think he's putting up three points. Yeah, he's, he's on IR. So it's, uh, it's not good. Yeah. Anyway, before we continue, a real quick update from Pierre LeBron. He tweeted out uh, about a half hour ago. According to Evander Kane's agent, Dan Milstein, they are interviewing with teams. They're almost done. They expect to have a contract for Evander Kane by this weekend. Oh, boy. 
So, yeah, you know, nothing like That's getting fine. a little cancer in your locker room. Yep. So, anyway, moving on. Uh, Ron Hexel's yep. tenure as a GM. And we'll, we'll talk about Vander King crap uh, future podcast. Time. Yeah, exactly. they'll do something dumb. So for Ron Hextall, I don't know what you'd want to look at first: his drafting or his trade history for like like the major moves that he made. I was actually going to look at like signings, actually. First. Okay, let's start there. So. Right now, he hasn't done too much since he pretty much just got there in Pittsburgh. So there's a couple in there. Like he signed Rodriguez and Heinen and Aston Reese and Bluger. But they were. Also, there was. Um, but again, it's uh, it was a typical. Again. Yeah. And t- it's typical fashion of, except for really McGinn, but even then, typical Hextall fashion where they're pretty great deals for the Penguins. Yeah. And that's just what he's, he did too. Is just he's that. relatively always been solid with, and that's why if you want to put it this way, Ghost is having a realistically good season. I believe he's in his last year, or maybe two years left. I forget how many years he's got left, but definitely a year, maybe two. Let me look at that real quick, actually. <laughs> but while you're looking that up, for Goss's, okay, he's got one more year after this year, but his contract go. is still good enough, or not that much where you could easily see at the deadline or this offseason the coyotes flipping them somewhere. Yeah, 100 percent Because even if they eat some of that salary, because think about it, they do have the cap room. Um because also the Flyers did not retain any salary because they yeah. gave up a couple picks to get rid of his salary. So his cap hits only 4.5 mil. And realistically for if you have the cap room, which I know not many people or teams do really have, so it, no. and Arizona, looking they can for, retain salary. Yeah, if they can, they easily can retain salary. Easy, exactly. You're like a contender looking, and your defense is maybe, or you want some more offense from your defense or whatever, or your power play struggling. And is, he is stealing cup playoff experience. Some, but yeah. He still experienced. True. Um, by looking at Hextall, though, and even with that move, that wasn't even that at the time, because again, it was when Goss was actually like one of Philadelphia's top defense. I love how, uh, uh, I love how this is how you can tell he doesn't, it wasn't a bad give, deal. No, he doesn't give that big of deals because obviously he had four checks if you're looking at it on cut friendly and all this thing. Yeah. Um, you're looking at it and like, Eight, there's Yevgeny Medvedev, one year, three million dollars. That's yeah. that, Medvedev wasn't a great defenseman, he just wasn't. But it, that just shows you if that's the eighth highest on here, there's not that high of you know, no. Well, the, he, in terms he of gave Radka Gudis a four year, 3.35 mil contract for what we got in Gudis. That's not bad. He gave Kutz a uh, Friendly deal, 4. six 3 years, four point three mil, and twenty fifteen. eight by eight, and then they just contract. Gave, obviously, they just Fletcher yeah. just gave Gatari an extension. 
but yeah, he, he just didn't get like big name players that I think a lot of people were hoping for. The he worst. brought in Elliot. Honestly, Elliot yeah. was a kind of key signing. Like obviously that was, was a very key sign when people think about it or not. It was, but the Flyers were already having goaltending issues anyways. He just wasn't a starter anymore. He was just that no. backup kind of role. Right. Um, and, and one of the worst signings that I think at the time I liked the deal. So I, I, I like the idea of getting this player. I didn't like the tenure. It was Dale Weiss. I hated the fact that they got him for yeah. four years. 2.35 mil for four years was way too much for me. The four years, forget about it. At max, I would have said three, let alone two. The 2.3, that's not bad. To be fair, Dale Weiss is coming off an incredible few years in Montreal, being like a legit, he was essentially what Milan Lucic was in Boston. Obviously, now he's shit, you know, but at the time, he was a constant threat. <laughs> hey. Obviously, oh, he you know, was shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, probably, how else do you want to even put it? Um, but no, so for. For Dale Weiss, though, like, and with what Milan Lucic, you could probably argue Lucic at the time during Boston, like when he was like really Milan Lucic, he was a, he was like a, a true power forward that could actually score goals that like, it's like, wow, you, you wouldn't think much of him. And, and that's what Dale Weiss was becoming in Montreal towards the end of his career there. But then when he got to Philly, all that disappeared. And I think a huge part of that, I'm not going to lie, is because of Dave Haxtell and his horrible coaching system. Yeah, and that's why I can make the argument that maybe some guys weren't able to develop that much early on in their careers because... Same thing with Noam Patrick. Or even I don't Limp, like, if you want to put him in there just because it took him a little bit. Because he never got a legitimate chance under Dave no. Haxtell, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so those are the main big ones. There was also this one. It was extension-wise... Eh, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I only hated it because he had trouble staying healthy. Michael Neuver, two years, two point five mil. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't amazing. He was never. He was not a bad goaltender. He just kept getting hurt. Yeah, and then Goss's Bears contract, the six years, four point five yeah. mil. That's mm-hmm. honestly what, what you were getting in twenty seventeen. Goss's Bear and twenty eighteen, he did even better. That was a steal, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So he never really had any major bad signings. They just um, weren't flashy signings. A lot of them, just, and a lot what, of them are just re-signs or or safe just, signings. Yeah, the were and then when and again, the day, but so, to be fair, the reason why is because the Flyers were in cap hell because of Paul Holmgren, the former Flyers GM prior to Ron Hextall. And but when that was also his demise for Philadelphia too. This, this is true. He would the way he helped build the Los Angeles Kings that win not one but two Stanley Cups is because he said, Hey, my plan. He wasn't the GM, he was, I think, the assistant to the GM. I think uh, Dean Lombardi was the GM. I like my way better, not, not assistant GM, not assistant to that's no. 
God, who, anyway, who is he? What, who is he? Dwight? God, obviously, uh, he he's got the glasses. <laughs> it's true. Um, but no. So is he told the team saying, "Hey, here's my plan. We're, we got to be patient if we want to do, do this right." They were patient. They were patient as anyone he could possibly get. They won the Cup 2012. They went to the Cup Conference Finals 2013. They won the Cup again in 2014. 2015, they went to the Conference Finals again. But they lost, but they still went to the Conference Finals. They were in the Conference Finals for four consecutive years. Two of them, they won the Cup. So that plan, that turned out well. Yes. But obviously, in, when you get to Philadelphia, you start to become patient. Then you yeah. become too patient. And that's where the city of Philadelphia and their fans saying, and, yeah. and there's a very famous quote from Mr. Ed Snyder, who said, you know, basically, I, I don't like to use the word rebuild here in Philadelphia. Rebuild, basically, blank that, you know? And uh, obviously, he wasn't a fan of the quote-unquote rebuild. But that's essentially what Ron Hextel was trying to do in Philly. It's He's trying to do an accelerated do. rebuild because... That's the kind of pressure I'm sure he got because he, if he legitimately was able to do what he did in LA, this is a 100% different story, but it's not because I really think that because the way Philadelphia is and unfortunately hard they are on their organizations, it was forced to become a accelerated rebuild and not the way Ron Hexel wanted. Sure. I'm sure I'm sure he could change things differently, but I, I really do believe that if they did things and they gave him actual full reign and they said, Hey, do it your way. It would have taken an extra few years, but I think they would have seen some better results. Yeah. And unfortunately I feel like in Pittsburgh is kind of got the same issue he has with Philadelphia's kind of getting out of cap hell. Well, some guys, as we mentioned yeah. last week, are kind of winding down yeah. their careers. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, oh, I had it. Oh, um, we mentioned real quick before we get to like trades and and, and um, drafting is for one last signing. His biggest splash was his only big splash in Philadelphia. He signed James Van Reems like back to come back to Philly for a five-year, $7 million deal, $35 million total. And that was it. That was his biggest move as a, for, in free agency, I should say. Yeah, but that's also so, he, But also, if he does make it bigger, because the big issue he had in the year he got fired was because goaltending was an issue, and guys kept getting hurt. Elliot and Neuvert were getting hurt. Elliot wasn't providing to be a starting uh, goaltender. So... They didn't really, he just went back to Elliot Neuvert and they just kept getting hurt, getting hurt, which ended up bringing Carter Hart into Philly and actually playing for the Flyers yeah. and staying as a Flyers coach or goalie. But again, in hindsight, if they would have made that change or gotten a goalie in that offseason, Carter Hart might still be in the FAMs or a backup right now. Yeah. So I'll put it this way. So I'm looking back at Sportsnet, back, an article back in 2017. The top three agents forward-wise, besides JVR, Alexander Radulov, Martin Hansel, who was 30 at the time, uh, Joe Thornton. But that's not really making a splash. 
Well, I mean, it is, but it's not resigned. the splash that. Yeah, I mean, you could argue Sam Gagne, but not really. Sammy Justin Gons. Williams. The, the, again, these are the big four names: Redeem Verbata, yeah, yeah, Patrick Marleau. Yeah, it wasn't really great. So they, it, it it wasn't a great it wasn't a great free agency class yeah. for forwards. I think people Tom's more Vanek, so. I think more so Flyers so. fans because the that free agency wasn't great was either to bring JVR back or because he had a bunch of prospects and everything use them as trade bait to get someone big. Yeah. But so having said that, looking at trades now. <laughs> Segway. Yeah. So his his the the first trade he ever made, and this one I hated because he gave up your world. I, I don't I just it was the RJ Umberger trade for Scott Hartnell. I wasn't really a fan of it because Umberger didn't bring much to the table at all. Yeah. But you know what? Like, Jeff? you got a fourth round pick in the 2015 draft that you never used. You know what, Jeffrey? You know what? You know what? What? I'm okay with that. When you look at the fact that they traded a third round pick for Zach Ronaldo. Boston Bruins, ended that up, is, yes. Yes. And they actually drafted a Creole's Jamaica, who is currently the Flyers right now. There you go. Potentially be maybe Carter Hart's backup. I still think it It could be Sandstrom, but just saying. uh, Samuel Erickson is going to be his future backup, I think. Yeah, future. Just saying saying now. Yeah. Anyhow, looking at trades, though, in general, the flyer, this. uh, I will never understand how he got this much out of Cumulative and then he was. Basically on the verge of his career ending because of the blockouts. He got two second round picks for Kimo. One in 2015. And again, Flyers never used it. Chicago did. Or, or uh, I'm sorry, not yeah, Chicago. Is- um, I don't know who, you, who used that pick, but um, Jeremy Baracco went 61st overall. It definitely wasn't Flyers. However, the other one, 2016, we used to draft Wade Allison. So that's that's that right there. This one is a huge one. They Flyers traded Braden Coburn, who they gave up 4.5 mil contract for Raku Gudis, who's making under a million dollars at that time, a first round pick and a third round pick, both in 2015. They then traded that um Hexel that same night, then used the first round pick they got in the Tampa Bay trade and the second round pick in the trade with uh, for Kim and Team and in, in, in the uh, 2015 second to move up five spots to draft Travis Konechny. So it's a, it's a lot of pinballing around hard to follow, I know. But so Ari off the bat, he was crushing it with trades. Yeah, because he had to do what he had, had to do because those guys he's trading, Braden Coburn and Timon and Timon was at the end of his career. So obviously someone like Coburn, was, although it was a cap dump, he still had actually shocking value. And we got Rocky, we got Gudis back and he and played well and he, he played, played very well, well for, for the us. three, yeah. four seasons he was in mm-hmm. Philly. And, and then, and then we the got Niskanen and 
he helped us, yeah. you know, win a playoff round, which at yep. this point is all I'm really asking for at this point for the Flyers. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, this one, um, it was more so. Say, sorry, go ahead. Said I don't want to keep going through every trade he made. Well, no, no, I know, but like, I want to go through a bunch like. Of through like his biggest ones. Yeah. Obviously, but, Zach Ronaldo to Boston for a third round pick, yes. which they used to draft Kirill Isomenko. This one was a lot bigger than people realize. They got rid of both Luke Shen and Vinny Lecavillet, although, yes, retaining half of their salaries. They still got rid of them for Jordan Wheel and a third round pick. I will which say used this, to draft Carson Torinsky. The guys that traded away for. Uh... No, it was only. You know, swap in 2015 for picks. Um, you did draft Konechny, and the guys that Toronto drafted haven't really panned out. Well, obviously, because one was Jeremy Rocco, not really Gabriel Carlson. No idea. He's on Columbus right now. Not there. There you go. Um, and then probably his next bigger one. I will say this. I don't think it was a big trade. I think it just, I like, because I was a guy who I stole in this way, even though he can, he's just jumping from team to team, was I like that we got Sam Gagne. Oh, I love the fact that we got Sam Gagne. He, that was one of the trades I wanted to go over real quick just to kind of touch on it. Because not only did you get rid of Nick Grossman and you only t- retained 14.3% of his $3 million contract, hit, you got rid of Chris Pronger's entire contract, which was 4.935 mil. Only put up and you got a conditional us, but... fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this was the, turning the condition point. was must acquire 2016 fourth and not acquired. Philadelphia receives 2017 third round pick. Result, Arizona traded this pick to Philadelphia. It was a fourth-round pick. I think this, because after Philadelphia, and then when he went to Columbus, where he played his best hockey. Yeah. Um, Because at that moment, 2015-16, because he was still a first-round pick, people were still thinking, oh, you can't put him on the bottom six. You can't put him on the fourth line, because he's a first-rounder. First-rounder, you can't do that. But now, as how everything's changed or changed since then, you're okay you with can. it. You can. And that actually helped them because like for example, weren't the ones that did it. And the only reason why I like that they brought him here is because he had great hands and the Flyers suck at shootouts. I would love yeah. them to have him back just for that purpose. He 100%. can sit on the bench for 60 minutes, but once overtime or shootout happens, I want him in. I want him in, him in like the uh, TGA in the Olympics. Exactly. I want him to go all four or yeah, five yeah, shots. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, what I will say about Sam Gagne, though, and kind of similar to Scott Lawton, although they were first-round picks and everything, that really helped pave the way for players like Lawton now where it's and, okay to play in the bottom six role despite being a first-round pick. You were finally, finally able to get rid of Chris Pronger's contract. Yeah, which at the wasn't time, a big 4. deal. 9, it was just it, now, it was just an annoying now, thing you had to deal with every year. Exactly. Nowadays, it's not that big of a contract. During 2015, that was kind of a big contract. Like you could easily just say, "Oh, just put him long term IR. It helps you cap wise." But you're just like, exactly. But to get rid of his entire yeah. contract, that helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and then realistically, you don't get into another really big trade until obviously 
later that night, 2017 draft, Braden Shen, who had a 5.125 cap hit for Yuri Lutera, 4.7 mil I think cap this hit, trade... two first-round picks. <clears throat> I think this is the, one of his most polarizing moves. It is. Either you love it or, or you, you hate, hate it. it because you look at the guys that they got. Because I love it. Was not a good player at the time when the fires. The got only up. reason why it was such a big deal, and I mentioned this, one I even put Psst, it's a it's a cap it's a cap dump for Yori kind of. Lutera. Kind of but also because he was playing with Vladimir Tarasenko, so of course you're going to put up points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so a, there's that. That's also why the they thought, oh, maybe factor. this could work out. Yeah. Exactly. Crosby factor. Um, not only that, uh, the other reason why people, I don't think fans would have hated it as much if Braden Shen wasn't part of the Stanley Cup winning St. Louis Blues in 2019. The Blues never won the Cup. I don't think they would have cared as much. I think yes. people still would just because they. I think people liked Shen. I think they liked that he brought that grit. He could still yeah, put up. That's true. He could, put, he could score. He was more. He wasn't as passive as the other guys were. He was that's more true. of a shooter. Now, I will say when he got to St. Louis his first year, he put up 70 points, which is his career high. But the thing including was- like 29 goals or something crazy like that. But since then, he's been his typical 50 plus pace points. He's put up like 59, then 54 points for St. Louis the last few years. Yeah. Or maybe three, technically. And then there's another one with 30 because of the shortened season. By the way, he's been where he usually would have been in Philadelphia, where he didn't quite break yet 60 points. But again, just his first year. Or 30 goals. His first year in St. Louis, he dominated. He he put up not 30 goals, like 28, 29 points uh, goals, but he got like 40, 41 assists for 70 points. That's nothing to sneeze at for a top nine, top six guy. Thank you. Ha ha. I will say so that this, really the issue was when it came to Philadelphia was and was that you didn't know what he was because the Flyers kept playing him at wing, but he was a center. So yeah. that was another issue. So you didn't know if he was just a winger or a center. So when St. Louis got him, they started him at center. So whereas when he was here, he was at wing. Yeah. I really think it, that it's just a, a matter of what you're looking at in terms of this trade. If you're looking at the fact that you got Joel Farabee out of it, who just got an extension, who played well in the sophomore season, I think it was a little too early to give him the extension or for that much. Yep. But you got him. Frost is still up in the air, but it's it was only 2017. And yeah, we just spent their first, you know, however long we've been podcasting for talking about Noah Patrick and all that. But, um, and again, Morgan Frost has had injury issues, so I'm going to give him a little longer leash before he gets here because I, I do think there's a more upside for Morgan Frost than at the moment that the Flyers are having with Patrick. So I'm going to yeah. keep a longer leash out for Frost. I am too. I, I, for me, I, I absolutely love how Morgan Frost plays and everything. Yeah, he needed to grow up. Like like physically get stronger, which he did. He added on about eight to ten pounds, I think, in the offseason. He's working hard at it. He's a guy who has that mentality where he's gonna let his play do the talking because of his size. He's essentially Danny Breer because people think Marty St. Louis, Alex to bring kid, 
whoever else you want to mention out there that's a short play, Johnny Gajera, that's a short player. Obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be as good, if not Braden Point, even close to this. Braden Point, thank you. That's a big one. Obviously, I'm not going to say he's any of those, the next of those guys, but he's he has potential because he, especially because he's such a small player, people underestimate what he can actually bring to the table or to this case of the ice. So, so we're talking about some of the better traits he has. I want to pivot a bit to some of the not so great ones. I agree 100%. The one in particular, I get why they made it at the time, but Peter Morazic (laughs) didn't end up being a great trade. So they gave up a a conditional third, actually, two conditional third round picks for Peter Morazic. So the conditions were if the Flyers make the playoffs and Mrazek wins five regular season games, the 2018 fourth becomes a third. If Philadelphia advances to the conference finals, Mrazek wins six playoff games, the third, 2018 third becomes a second. The results, Flyers advance to the playoffs and Mrazek won five games. Detroit received the 2018 third-round pick. That pick was used to draft Seth Barton. I don't know if that was actually um, their pick or not. Actually, yes, yeah, it is. Uh, he was drafted by uh, Detroit conditions. If Flyers resign Morazic, Detroit receives the 2019 third. They did not resign him, so Flyers retained the pick. I'll say this draft now. Ronnie Itard. Yep. Yep. The, yeah. Uh, Ronnie Itard. Yeah. yeah. Um, another pick I I I get in trading up for, but a I, I'll say this though at the time because yeah. he played. F- Good and like his first game, I think it was, and then he just yeah. never played great again. He played, and then he kind of resurrected he himself. Shelled. He resurrected himself a little bit in Carolina, but he was still had he, he issues. For I just I don't know if you could trust him. Now he's, now he's in, Toronto. in Toronto, I think. Yes, because yeah. I think this one they essentially I, swap I, goalies because Freddie Anderson's yeah. in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Carolina that's the now. funny thing. Um, here's here's the funny thing for me. So. I get trading up for to get a player. But when you move up nine whole spots in the second round, how much is giving up too much? Because for me, this is too much. In order to draft Isaac Radcliffe at 35th overall, which is essentially almost a first-round pick, because that was a 2017 NHL draft, Vegas was in the draft oh. by then. So that realistically was the fourth fourth overall pick in the second round. They moved up nine spots to get Isaac Radcliffe. They gave up the 44th overall pick, which is second overall, sorry, second round pick, the 75th overall pick, which is 2017 third round pick, the 108th overall pick, which is a fourth round pick. They gave up a second, third, and fourth to move up nine spots. I'm okay with it. I know Ratcliffe hasn't panned out yet, but even he said at the beginning of the season that he had to change how he's played. Kind of like we were talking about with Patrick, he kind of mm. understands the where he is right now, what he's got to do to be better. Have we seen that from him now? Um, he got. I think he got hurt early in camp, but I think eventually. And, and that's the could. other issue, though, is I think he's gotten a lot of injuries. He's like a what six five center. 
If yeah. he can pan out to even being a decent bottom yeah, six, has top nine forward, I'll take it. But to me, that's yeah. Andrews have Andrews have hurt him a lot too because and, and that's that's the issue though. He played so that sucks there. He also just hasn't put up that many points no. either. Because got right now what man, got what great. got the Flyers excited was when a six five center scores fifty goals. Yeah, that would have been great, but he just hasn't. So again, mind you, that was in juniors, but it's still fifty goals for a six five center. That's yeah. impressive. And then the fan of some goals he's put up was six. Yeah, this first year. Yeah. So there's that. So those were some bad trades um, for while in Philly. Um, another bad trade. Most of his trades are good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, another good one. They gave up time again, and they got a third round pick, which they used to draft Felix Sandstrom. That's not bad at all. Um, honestly, he's he's had mostly good picks. He hasn't had too many bad ones, honestly. Draft um, this this one. I mean, they just haven't really panned out some of his draft picks. Yeah, I'll put it this way: two draft picks that really haven't panned out. Uh, ironically, he got in the same. He got the picks taking the same draft. 2016 German Rubisov and uh, first round pick 22nd yeah. overall 36 overall second round pick Pascal LaBerge. I've always liked LaBerge, however, because of a major, major concussion that completely derailed his career yeah. uh, when he got absolutely blindsided, cheap shotted. So that completely changed his career there and ruined it. I really think that and Pascal LaBerge, I don't think he gets enough. No, like it, 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 if, if he, he he's actually doing pretty well for the in the ECHL right now. I mean, hey, the fact that he's even playing hockey anymore, I'm genuinely happy. 20 games plays, he has 25 points, 10 goals, 15 assists. That's the kind of player I I kind of expected for him. But again, that major early concussion early on, that just changed everything for him. He's got no contact in the NHL. Exactly. So um, for... Um, Ron Hexel's first draft was in 2014. He drafted Travis Sanheim at 17th overall. Um, his first draft class wasn't a bad one. Sanheim, Aubrey Kubel, 48th overall. Mark Freeman, third round pick, 86th overall. Oscar Lindblom, the fifth round pick, 138th overall. Those four picks aren't bad at all. I've never heard of you. Kevin, come over. Second. The another dude they drafted in 2014. I was like, who? Oh, yeah. Also, Riddell, no and Jesper Pedersen. Yeah, those two are kind of long lost cases. Um, then you get to the very famous 2015 first round. Oh, sorry, 2015 NHL draft. He drafted Pro Overall, traded up to get connecting. He drafted Felix Sandstrom, Mate Tomek. Two fourth round picks are Samuel Dove McFalls, he's not much. And unfortunately, Mikhail Vorobiev, who we thought was going to be something, isn't really a whole lot. Um, David Kasha, Cooper Marty, and Ivan Fedotov. All pretty solid picks. Vorobiev, unfortunately, didn't turn out to be much. Dove McFalls didn't turn out. Vorobiev turned out to be more than him. And even then, that's not saying much. Then you get to 2016 where they had a boatload of picks, but not much progress for now. It's the later picks that he really nailed. His first few picks he did pretty bad on. 
Rubisov was bad. Laberge was only bad because he got injured. Carter Hart, obviously, he nailed that one. With Allison, he got great so far. He had three second-round picks that year. That's not bad. He got two out of three. I'll give him credit for that. Third-round pick, Carson Twarinski. He's now in I, Seattle. He's now in Seattle. Um, I didn't hate the pick. I thought he had decent potential. Didn't do much, unfortunately. And then this uh, expansion draft. Uh, Here's <laughs> Con- your I saw that. Yep. Connor Bonneman. All right. Uh, fourth round pick. Yeah. Linus Hogberg, have- he's an interesting player. I'm very excited for. I think he might turn into something. Not saying he will, but I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, sixth round pick, Tanner Lozinski. Unfortunately, he's had back to back season ending. Uh, injuries, I fully expect him to be a potential bottom six, like, standout for Philadelphia for years to come when he is healthy. Um, you have Samuel Salentry and David Bernhardt. Nothing much there. Uh, 2017, the infamous draft there. Patrick went second overall. Morgan Frost, 27th first-round pick. You had Isaac Radcliffe, Kirill Ustamenko. The only... One that was really a question mark, really, was Matthew Strom because of his skating. He's still not doing a whole lot from what I remember seeing, but we'll see what happens with him. Seventh round pick. Um, Russian. <laughs> uh, for, for who? What? You said another Russian? No, my Belarusian. Ow. Oh. I'm, and Maxim Shushko. Yeah. He was also drafted in the fourth round, 2017. He was. I uh, know Keats, we've yet to see him sign his entry level contract, but. Dude, sign it. Your brother's playing for us. Exactly. Don't you want to play with your brother? Yeah. He, I know you want we, to finish. College, everyone has high so. expectations for him. Um, seventh round pick, White Kalanick. They never signed him. He went to Chicago. Uh, Chicago. Signed there. Chicago. 2018. This isn't too bad. Joel Farabee, 14th overall. This guy, we haven't heard much of at all. Uh, Jay O'Brien, 19th overall. I'll say, sorry, just going back to Shushko. This is yeah. also his first time playing in North America. Or first full season. He only played two for, games in 2020, 2021. For Jay for, O'Brien? No, for Shushko. Oh, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. He's played 22 sure. games for the Phantoms this year. He's put up eight points. Nothing really that spectacular. I was just putting it up. I was just kind of yeah, it it's, it's not nothing. So we'll see. Um, Jay O'Brien, I'm very curious to say. I mean, he's, O'Brien's put up solid college numbers. I mean, solid, but I haven't heard of any, him doing anything else pro-wise. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, he's got 11 points in 10 games right now at Boston. Yeah. Four goals, there seven go. assists. And last year in 16 games. Oh, he had a point per game. 16 Damn. goals or go. 16 points, eight goals, eight assists. Um, even this guy, I personally like. I don't know how many people feel about him, but Adam Ginning, second round oh, pick, wasn't also like wasn't him. O'Brien hurt too? I think that would, he explain did get hurt, so, that, that would explain why there's not many games. No, no, do it. So, also, um, you know, but yeah, sure. Wyatt Wiley, I'm very excited about him. Fifth round Wyatt. pick, Samuel Erson, another fifth round pick. about... 16 picks later, uh, Sam Erickson, as I mentioned there, uh, two, two late picks later. So most of Hextel's picks for Phil, and now it's his last job in Philadelphia. And then obviously with Pittsburgh this past year, 
they only had five draft picks. Their first one was a second round pick. After that, they had fifth and three seventh round picks. Yeah. But who so cares looking, Pittsburgh? Exactly. So looking and we're not back, looking at his tenure in Pittsburgh yet. Yeah, you know. No. Looking because it's barely begun. Uh, looking back overall, Hextall did a solid job with trading and pretty darn good job drafting for the most part. Obviously, some good hits, but some it's pretty just, big misses. Yeah, now, it's some just, it's of just them a matter are of the guys kind of, because of injuries. Yeah. And he got the, I feel like he got the right people. It was just up to yeah. coaches where they're at, playing players doing it themselves. Yeah. Obviously, um, so, some of these guys have injury issues, like you mentioned with LeBurge and Rupstoff's yeah. had his injury issues. Um, his is more like leg and stuff like that, kind of like Morin. Right. Um, but like you said early on, you can't always blame the GM because the player and the coach have to put in the work. Some of these players were putting in the work, but they got – decimated by injuries and you can't blame them for that that's just some players just the way they play their game they just don't last so there's that but looking at the 2017 draft and this is the last thing we'll touch on right now the flyers had the second overall pick real and i mentioned this before we got started i'm I'm, i mentioned it briefly in the article and i'm going to mention it now realistically there was only one forward that definitely should have gone second overall if it wasn't Nolan Patrick, and that should have been Elias Pettersson. He was ranked seventh by Bob McKenzie leading up to Bobby the Margarita. Bobby Margarita, the one and only. Yay. Um, scouts, had, including um, McKenzie, again, he had Kale McCarr, obviously defenseman, not forward, as fourth overall, but and that's exactly where it went to uh, Colorado. Um, and what I did mention, though, is if it wasn't Elias Pettersson who went second overall, there are three other players who, although I, I'm sure any other team and GM would love to have now, obviously it's easy to say in hindsight. 2020 hindsight is a beautiful thing. But at the time, realistically still, there were only a couple players who – if you took a chance on a guy like Elias Pettersson, at the time, it would have been a, I get it, it's a stretch, but I get it, I'm okay with it. Half the reason why people were complaining about him is because he, at the time, was way too small. These other guys I'm about to mention, they were taken almost like past top 10, actually three picks straight, are these three guys I'm about to mention, they flat out would not have even touched the top five, even now probably, in, in a draft. But 2020 high side is a beautiful thing. Number 11, Gabriel Velarde for the LA Kings. He's just scratching the surface now, essentially. If not last year, he barely played, but he got some playing time. He's just getting to NHL now. Again, it takes some time. Jeffrey, I have a theory now. So, yes. just in terms of his contract, and I could be completely wrong. And the reason why I thought of this is because it's hard to—not really hard, but it's crazy to think that just just in 2017, the Colorado Avalanche had a fourth overall pick 
that wasn't it wasn't like a lottery pick. It was they were just that bad that year. Well, they had for they they were, they were finished the worst team, but they yeah. it dropped down to fourth overall. Mm-hmm. But like it's hard. It's weird to think about that because I think maybe uh, Bobby Clark or someone was, or his comments maybe were thinking like looking at uh, Colorado because they're looking at their past drafts before that's like because that's when they started getting all their players that they have really right now. Yeah. Because it started with McKinnon. They had a couple good years. They had one good year, then they struggled. And then you got Rantanen, you got McCarr, you got a bunch of pieces. Now, Bowen Byram, yeah, trade look at, for Sam Gerrard. Yeah, and now look at them. It's, it's, I think that's maybe what he's looking at. It's like, well, how come they can do it? How is it they're doing it so quickly? But we're not. Exactly. And, and it, if, you're claiming that to, the, if you're claiming that the picks were good, they were also kind of in that same kind of wheelhouse where the Flyers were, but wrong. they're benefiting from it now. Where the Flyers are still the hot, cold, hot, cold. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's a great theory and great question. Um, it, it's definitely more frustrating. I'm sure on Bobby Clarkson and also Philadelphia in general because Colorado, like thinking about it, 2017, that was their last legitimately bad year. After that, 2018, since then, instant success playoffs every year. Sure, they haven't made it to the conference final since, like any of those years where they're honestly expected to make at least second round. It's not conference finals. I know you're happy about it, especially one year. We're not going to name it ever again. Um, but you're you're right though. Like it's you're in very similar situations, but yet you know who, Colorado, yeah. some way somehow, they're able to have better success. You know who beat them to get to the conference final? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear guy, it. Like the, the guy who went to pick before him. Dang it! I can't mute you. Damn. Just mute yourself. <laughs> okay. He he actually did. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Oh, God. In that one year. The one year for Mirror Heiskin and the guy who went pick after Nolan Patrick. And obviously, people were saying Cam McCarr, Cam McCarr even didn't even go third. Mirror Heiskin was considered risk. A lot of teams are looking to move up to third overall. I was rewatching the 2017 draft uh, uh, earlier today. The Rangers had rumored to try to trade 21st overall mm-hmm. and seventh overall just to get to third overall to probably take Mirror Heiskin in. Teams were offering legitimate packages to draft Heiskin, and that's how much they actually had a lot of trust and faith. Not to draft Kale McCarr, but to draft Miro Heiskin, and if if not, potentially Kale McCarr. Right. But either way, they're looking Again, to move up big time. And it's something that we, we were talking about back and forth earlier, is that I would take either to start my – if I had to start a team and look at defensively oh. and I needed a young defenseman, I'd take either one. But I have a slight edge towards Heiskanen because I think he's a slightly actually better defenseman. They both have obviously I good offensive f- skill now, skills. But although you can certainly argue that people, I think, will probably didn't forget if, if I'm not mistaken, Kale McCarr was voted as a Norris Trophy. He was finalist last year, right? Yes, and the year before, right. I think. Hei- and, yeah, exactly. He's been nominated one or two times. Heiskanen. Although as much as we like to say he's a two-way defenseman, which I think he is, 
I'll say this though. When it mattered the most in that playoffs, sorry, I have to mention it again. He got it done. He got it done. You know, Look what he did. And now he, in that Heiskanen has gone further in his career than McCarr ever has. He's made it to the Stanley Cup final. He does he has, and at the moment you can make the argument McCarr has a better chance of getting back there because right now the start oh, has been a weird kind of state. Especially if Dallas a bit. does does fulfill John Klingberg's request in Dallas to trade him because he had requested a trade. Exactly. So but they're one thousand percent more likely to do that. Yeah, because again, because obviously, and I get why they were doing this because even when you're looking at those draft pick that the picks the Flyers made, none of those guys that drafted center really panned out. And obviously, they were thinking. Well, Drew's getting older. He can't keep playing center. And now that we've moved him to wing, we need a second center. Number one or center. Future second or future number one center, a second center. Especially someone and, who's an immediate impact NHLer. And obviously now they traded once they got Chuck Fletcher, they traded for the signing rights of uh, Hayes, right? Yeah. Yes. I was forgetting if they actually traded for Hayes or if it was just a sign. Yeah, for his rights. And then yeah. that's when they sent him to that seven-year deal. Yes. Um, and that's for, now, it's, now that's – and obviously we're thinking, who could it be? Obviously, in hindsight, you'd say, oh, Pedersen. But at the time, yeah. Patrick was the considered the better center outside of thing is seven out of the first ten picks were centers. The first – here's the top ten picks. This year, Patrick – High skin and McCard, defenseman, defenseman. Then it is five straight centers. Elias Patterson to Vancouver, Cody Glass to Vegas, who's now in Nashville, of course, because of the Nolan Patrick trade. Elias Anderson, or Elias Anderson, everyone pronounced his name, to New York for the Rangers. Casey Middlestown, Buffalo, Michael Rasmussen, Detroit, Owen Tippett, right wing to Florida. And then you have two more centers after that. Or sorry, three more straight. I know I said top 10, but. Gabe Velarde, L.A., Marty Natchez, Carolina, Nick Suzuki, 13 to Vegas. By the way, those are the three, those last three players. The only three players I would consider, again, as I kind of hinted at earlier in the uh, a little bit ago, if it wasn't Elias Pedersen going second overall, if, they, if you know the Flyers or anyone in the right mind said, oh, you know what, instead of Patrick, let's draft Elias Pedersen. It would have been looked at as I get it. I'm not thrilled with it because of mainly his size, but okay, I can I can live with this. I'm good with this. Um, the other guys I mentioned, Gabe Lardy, Marty Natchez, and Nick Suzuki. There's no doubt in my mind. If any of those guys even went top five, there's GM's heads that would have been on like a, on a stick by now because people would have been rioting left and right saying, are you kidding me? We have a top five pick and used it to waste on these guys. Not saying that they're not good players. Obviously they're each their own very good player. And you've got to give them some time to actually develop. But with that being said, they've all developed into very, very good young players. Being yeah. the best, I think, of those three is Marty Natchez. Nick Suzuki is good, but Marty Natchez, I think, is that much better of a center and player alone for the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's probably in a better situation right now because Nick Suzuki's in Montreal, and they're a complete dumpster fire right now. Gabriel Lardy, he's talent around him, but it's L.A. They're struggling. I don't know. We'll see. That's also so, three centers in this draft that are on the team that drafted him. 
And they exactly. all pretty much were traded and except for Cody Glass, because he was traded early on. But yeah, everyone else was traded pretty much this offseason. Yeah. Obviously, the only, the two are pretty much obviously the for only each other. two centers that out of those ones that I mentioned, they're still in the actual sorry, three. Sorry, or, sorry, the, the major ones that were traded, obviously were Patrick, Cody Glass, and Suzuki. And Suzuki, yeah. Um, but with that being said, again, just kind of going back to that last statement is I love Marty Nick's, Nick Suzuki's game. I like Gabe Velarde's game a lot, but they at the time especially were not, oh, these guys are top five picks without – no. there's These guys are plus top 15 picks, sure, but not top five. If you do top five, you would have been fired on the spot earlier that night probably. It's, it's the, drafting that player is the last thing you would have seen that night. Yeah. At the time. Looking right. at it now, you don't know. Right. So, so yeah. um, real quick, one last thing before we do uh, get off. This is going to take two seconds. Tim Peel, former referee of the NHL, announced he's hearing Evander King will be signing in the next few hours. Destination, the Edmonton Oilers. So... Keep that in mind. Oh, I'm assuming league minimum. Wowie. So, yeah, we'll obviously break that down on a future podcast. But yeah, until then, until our next under two years podcast next week, which hopefully it'd be the first podcast of 2022 where all three of us are on. But <laughs> until then, we'll see you next time.